What's going on, Red Rocks? You ready for a good day at church? Hey, we got a few people to welcome. First off, we have a whole bunch of people out in Overflow being flexible. Can we make some noise for everybody joining us from Overflow? We love you so much. And of course, the amazing ladies at our God Behind Bars campus. Let's make some noise. Love you, ladies. Thank you for joining us today. Everybody else watching online, wherever you are watching from, thank you for being a part of the Red Rocks family. Welcome to week five, the fifth and final week of Pendulum. This has been uh, one of those series that we're going to remember for a long time. Have you been enjoying this series so far? We uh, took a deeper dive than we expected to take uh, when it comes to all the theological topics that we have covered over the last five weeks. We've been talking about God's sovereignty and our free will, answering the question, is there even a God or are we all God? Uh, What do we do with our doubt? Do we just get super dogmatic about it? What about grace and truth? Should we just speak the truth or should we speak the truth with grace? And we've been talking about these pendulum swings. If you've missed any of them, go back and watch them. Um, And because I'm, I'm telling you, man, there's so much information in all of them. Now, I get the distinct honor of landing the plane in this series. And I thought the best thing to do since we've uh, taken such a deep dive is to come up for some air today and talk about something very practical. I wanna talk about work and rest today. Do you know that you were created for both work and rest? Uh, like, like I think some of us are, if we're being honest, really, really good at working. All rise and grind. Let's get on that hustle. No days off. Your dreams don't work unless you do. And listen, agreed. I'm all for all of that. Here's my question. Can you stop? But like, actually, can you stop? Well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta rest well so that you can work well. Okay, great. How are you doing with that? Is it every time you start to rest a little bit, you immediately go back to thinking about work? We're gonna talk about it. But then on the other side of the pendulum, I feel like some of us are very good at resting. (laughs) Oh, it's self-care Saturday. (laughs) Soul care Sunday. Oh, it's me time Monday. Treat yourself Tuesday. Work tomorrow, Wednesday, therapy Thursday. All my favorite things Friday. Thank God tomorrow is self-care Saturday. I almost had to do something productive this week. And listen, all good things, but did you know that you are here to work? And by work, I mean so much more than just that thing you do for a paycheck. Although that's part of it. I'm talking about partnering with the creator of the universe to move his creation forward. We're here for rest and we're here for work. Work and rest. Today, I just wanna help get really practical and talk about how to develop a healthy rhythm between the two, and so I titled this message, Working Hard or Hardly Working. (laughs) Father, we love you so much. Thank you for this space. Would you help us now, we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said? All right, let's start by defining what we mean by both work and rest. Work first. My definition for work is actually just going to be Tim Keller's definition for work because I read it and I thought that's better than I could ever do. So let's read a Tim Keller quote. Work, rearranging the raw materials of a particular domain to draw 
out its potential for the flourishing of everyone. I told you, I can't do any better than, than that. What's Tim saying? Let's get, start really practical, tangible. If you are a construction worker, what you are doing is taking all of the, the materials, the drywall, the cement, the hammer, the nails, all of it, and you're rearranging it in a way that helps the world flourish. You're rearranging it into a home so that a family can move in or whatever it is. But if you are a counselor, a therapist, psychiatrist, what you're doing is you're sitting down with somebody who has a, a worldview, a, a narrative about their life or about the world that is harmful to them and you're helping them rearrange it so that they can flourish. Do you see it? Uh, if you are a parent in this room, you are rearranging nap time and bedtime and trying to schedule how one kid's gonna get to soccer practice and the other one's going to get to the choir rehearsal. And my goodness, like you are rearranging everything constantly to help the next generation flourish. It's work, it's beautiful. And it's not for the faint of heart. We are here to work. Tim's getting that from, sec from Genesis 2, in verse 15, the second page of your Bible, God creates all uh, of the heavens and the earth. And then Genesis 2, verse 15, one of my favorite verses says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to get this, work it and take care of it. Think about that for a second. Hey, the creator of the universe doesn't need help mowing the lawn. You ever thought about that? He created all of this. He's fine on his own. And yet for whatever reason, he invites us in to participate in the ongoing creation of his good creation. You're created to work. And at the same time, you are also created to rest. Uh, let's define rest this way. Rest is peace, ease, and refreshment. Back on that same page, Genesis 2. God creates everything, the heavens and the earth, in six days. And then Genesis 2, verse 2 says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, don't miss this, God rested from all his work. Creates it all in six days and then takes the seventh day to rest. Why? Was it because he needed rest? Let's be real. No, it's because he knew we needed rest. And so baked into creation is this rhythm. Six days on, one day off. Six days on, one day off. Work, rest, rest, work. Much more on that later. What I first wanna point out is you are created for work and rest, but let's be real, it can be very easy to lose that healthy rhythm in our lives, can't it? And it makes sense if you keep reading in the story to Genesis three, everything falls apart. And work goes from being a good thing to hearing words like toil. And you know this because sometimes you have a day of work and you just feel like, yes, this is it. This is what I was created to do. And then other days it just feels like trying to push a rock up a hill and it just keeps falling back on you, right? Like work is difficult. And, and, and uh, 
post the fall, one of the things that happens is, is I think we get, when we're meant to be on a work rest pendulum, we actually get put onto an unhealthy pendulum. I'll, I'll go first. For, for me, when I'm in a healthy place, I've got a great rhythm of work and rest. Uh, but when I, start to, when I start to get off, which, and uh, just be real for me, I get pushed over to the work side and then I can't shut down and, and, and I can't stop working. One of the things that starts to happen is my pendulum looks a whole lot more like this. It's not work and rest, it's exhaustion and boredom. And then exhaustion and boredom. Why? Because I, I, I can't stop working, so I work my way to exhaustion. But then as soon as I try to stop working, it's like I just immediately get bored. Am I preaching to anyone? Has anyone ever felt that, that way, right? It's like, have you ever had a vacation coming up and you're just so excited to, to rest and so you're sprinting and you're working, you're working, you're working and you got that finish line up ahead. You can't wait to get there. You hire a sitter to watch the kids. You, you and your spouse finally get to the beach and you lay your towel down and you've got your drink, you've got your food, all your snacks, you got your good book that, that you're reading, everything's good, and then you go, this is nice, this is nice, right? Yeah, yeah, we deserve, yeah, yeah, we deserve this. The weather's so good. Weather app said rain, I'm so glad it's not raining, this is so great. Hey, should we go to dinner? And your spouse is like, it's 10 a.m. You're like, no, 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 not now. I'm talking about like later. Should we go big for dinner tonight? Let's, let's save that for the last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just go something easy. To, yeah. Hey, do you want to get in the water? Let's get in the water, right? It's like you immediately get bored. Exhaustion, boredom. Exhaustion, boredom. We need, God help us, we need a way off of that pendulum. Fortunately, God made a way for us to get off that pendulum. So let's go. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses eight, nine, and 10 are going to, to give us the way off. But I realized this week, before I read eight, nine, and 10, I guess I just gotta start at verse one because it's so good. So here we go, Ephesians two, starting in verse one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, also lived among them at one time, certainly true about me, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, that's an important word, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Paul just lays out the entire gospel that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God in his love, being rich and mercy, sent a way for us to be with him forever, sending his son to pay the price for our sins. Now verse eight, you gotta get this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God 
Some of you came to church today just for Ephesians 2.8. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Amen. Hey, even Siri understands. Siri's not trying to earn her way into heaven. Saved by grace through faith. That's phenomenal. Hey, verse nine. For the one who, like me, so often can't stop working, verse nine is for you. Not by works so that no one can boast. Paul just goes, hey, it was never your works that saved you. Did you know that? I get caught on this end of the pendulum because I still believe at some level that it's my work that gives me my worth. Not, and listen, I can preach the gospel all day, but I'm just talking about at a, at a deeper level, I still have some narrative down deep in, in my, my mind somewhere that says, no, Ryan, you gotta earn your seat at the table, so keep working, keep working, keep working. The problem with that is the Bible. Paul just goes in verse nine, it's not your works that gives you your worth. It's what Jesus did for us on the cross. If you feel yourself getting caught on this side of the pendulum, verse nine is for you. And then verse 10 is going to be for the, the rest of us who feel our, ourselves getting caught uh, on this other side of the pendulum. The, this side where, where you feel like you're stuck in a rut sometimes, like it's hard for you to, to get out of bed. Maybe you're watching this online because it was hard for you to even get here today. Uh, for, for the ones who struggle to get back in the game and keep working, verse 10 is for you. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, listen to this, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you see the tension here? Paul's going, it's not your good works that save you. And also God has good works planned for you. Which one is it? Yes. It's learning to rest because it's not our good works that save us. And then it's learning to get up and get back to work because he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Like, I'll, I'll say it this way, the, the one who uh, got, got laid off from a job last year or months ago and is struggling to, to get back in the game and apply somewhere else, did you know that you are God's handiwork? That he has good works prepared for you? You ever have somebody who's, who's uh, like a, a craftsman who's super good at, at building things, build something for you, and then they show it to you, but they're still like perfecting it. They're like, oh, well, it's not quite perfect here. It's, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And you're like, it's so good. That's, that was God's approach to creating you. God's handiwork, crafted on purpose for a purpose. To the one who had a, a business that didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out, and now you're feeling like a failure, that's not called failure, that's called training. God's got good works planned for you. There's just a path of learning that you have to go down on your way. Most practical way to see this is the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15, 
We call it the story of the prodigal son. It really should be called the story of the loving father because it's about a father who has two sons. The younger son is super good at resting. So good that he decides to retire early. He tells his dad, dad, I, I, I wish you were dead. I want your inheritance now. And the, the father, to our surprise, gives it to him. And he goes off and tries to spend it all resting. What he thinks is resting. The Bible calls it reckless living. Because, come on, so often the things that we think are going to give us rest aren't actually good for us and aren't actually restful. That's why we come back from a vacation needing a vacation from our vacation. The younger son eventually runs out of money and wakes up next to a bunch of pigs and realizes that he's, he's ruined it all. But, but he, he's not, he knows he's not worthy of working for his dad. Maybe my dad will just let me be a servant for the rest of my life. And, and so he walks back. And we'll pick up the story in Luke 15 and verse 20. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, some of you need to get this today. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. You keep reading, you realize that he put sandals on his feet and a ring on his finger and the robe and threw him a party. What, what's he doing? The, the son's going, oh, I'm not, I'm not worthy of working for you. And the dad goes, what are you talking about? You're my son. We start from a place of identity. See, the reason I get caught on the, on the exhaustion boredom pendulum is ultimately it comes down to worth, doesn't it? I keep wanting to work to earn my worth, which is a lie. And then I feel like I'm not worthy to work, so I get caught on, on this other side over here, like the younger son. And if that's you today, I, I, I just gotta tell you, did you know that your worth isn't caused by your work? It's caused by what Jesus did for you on the cross. And so the father says, my son, my daughter, with whom I am, well, please, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life, so let's go. Younger son was really good at resting. There's another son in the story. The older son. The Doug, if you will. <laughs> Kidding. The older son's really good at working. So much so that even as the party's going on, he's just still out working. Which, let's dissect that for a second, what's really going on there. He thinks that his work is how he's earning his worth. And so he thinks that the whole time the younger son was, was out partying and he was working, he was working his way up in, in some race that was actually just completely made up in his mind. And so the father's like, hey, it's time to celebrate. Uh, let, let's go. And he can't, he can't put down the work to go rest. And, and if that's you, if you find yourself on that side of the pendulum, man, Luke 15 and verse 31 is for you. My son, the father said, you are always with me and Everything I have is yours. What does he do once again? Starts with identity. My son, you never had to work to, to, to be worthy. Everything, you're part of the family. Everything I have is yours. But your brother's home, so let's party, let's celebrate. 
And I love the story because we never find out if he actually went into the party. Jesus does this stuff all the time. It's so frustrating at first, and then you think about it a little more, and you go, oh. What he's trying to do is, is have us hold up a mirror to ourselves. Like Jesus is telling the story to a bunch of Pharisees, a bunch of people who thought they could earn their worth through their good works. And I picture the Pharisees walking home like, can you believe this Jesus guy, that whole story he was telling? Man, I, I wonder if the older brother actually ever went into the party. Wait a second. Would I go into the party? Bring that a little closer to home. Um, when somebody raises their hand and puts their faith in Jesus and heaven gets more crowded, does your heart still leap for joy? Or do you go, I wish I got fed more at this church? Hey, the father says to you, my son, my daughter, everything I have is yours. You're part of the family. Come in and it's fitting that we celebrate because your brother just came home. And so just to get really practical, if you find yourself getting caught on the work side of the pendulum, your homework this week is to memorize Luke 15 and verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Uh, but then if you find yourself getting caught on, on the other side of the pendulum and feeling unworthy to work, your homework is to memorize Luke 15 and verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Man, get that word, compassion. It's what the father feels when he sees you. Compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. It's work and it's rest. It's rest and it's work, but it all starts from understanding that we're worthy, that we are a son, that we are a daughter, and then from there, we get to work. And so for the rest of the time, I just wanna give you a really simple, hopefully helpful way to think about this work-rest balance. Start with a quote from John Mark Comer who says this, work and rest live in a symbiotic relationship. If you don't learn how to rest well, you will never learn how to work well and vice versa. After all, the opposite of work isn't rest, it's sleep. Work and rest are friends, not enemies. They are a bride and a groom who come together to make a full, well-rounded life. Uh, I think one of the things John Mark is saying is work and rest, the, the pendulum of work and rest works with momentum. Uh, one of the things that's happening that, that people are writing uh, about a lot is when it comes to our work, we're losing the ability to enter into deep work and there's a shift towards the shallow. Cal Newport wrote a great book about this called Deep Work. Uh, but he argues that when you look at the eight-hour work day and so much of it now is filled with just emails and texts and, and scrolling through Instagram. And, and he goes, we're, we're losing the ability to really enter into the deep work, the places where we really add value to the world. And, and I, I love that. And, and what I would add to that is I think the reason for that is because we are losing the ability to enter into deep rest. See, our rest looks like this so often. We finally get the kids to bed. We turn on some TV 
series that if we're being honest, probably isn't great for us. We binge eat junk food. Maybe you throw in a few drinks. Maybe you're scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through your social media till you finally are tired enough to get to bed and then before you know it, your alarm clock goes off and it's time to do it all over again. And when it does, your work day looks kinda like that. And it's because your rest looked kinda like this. Do you see the momentum problem here? My question is, what if you could learn how to make your rest look like this? Which, very practically speaking, uh, looks like less screens and more books. <laughs> May just be for a few of us, but the less screens part is for all of us. Less screens, more walks in nature. Less screens and more good conversations with your spouse or with your roommates or with a good friend. Uh, like, like shutting off your phone at a certain point at night, just plug it into the charger, turn it upside down so you don't see any of the notifications and just decide to shut down and be done with it for the night. And, and then find a, a way to do something life-giving you learn to get some deep rest like that, then you wake up the next morning and your work's gonna look like that. And then that next night, your rest is gonna look like this. And then your work's gonna look like that. There's momentum to this, but I feel like we're not tapping into the momentum of the work-rest pendulum because we don't know how to rest well. And so just for a, a few minutes, let me give you a, a good formula I've learned for, for how to rest well. I wanna talk about having a little bit of fun. We can't talk about fun, though, without first quoting Dr. Seuss. And so we're reading from the cat in the hat. It's fun to have fun, but you have to know how. That's so true. Uh, like, fun is such an amazing thing, especially when we, when we get serious about having a, a formula for the fun, then fun can get really, really fun. So here we go. Here's your formula. I learned this from a, a pastor named Rick Warren years ago and I've been trying to apply it to my life. Rick says this, divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. First, divert daily. Have something every day in your life that is fun. And most importantly, that is life-giving to you. Something that, that will allow you to put down your work, which is a great thing. We've already established that. You're, you're here on this earth to work. Have something you can do every day where you go, but I'm gonna put that down for the night. It's books for me. It's just who I am. I don't know. Like, like for whatever reason, that's just a very life-giving thing for me to do. Whatever it is for you, maybe it's, it's exercise, maybe it's going for a walk, maybe it's calling a good friend, maybe it's starting a hobby like gardening. Start a garden in your backyard. But whatever it is, just make it something life-giving and make it something that's fun for you, that you look forward to every night. Divert daily. We're going to take a deep dive into this concept in Brainstorm. So maybe your one action step um, for today is to, to sign up and come hang out with us on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Doug and I are gonna go deep into this first week into information overload and, and uh, talk about how we have just way too much information coming at us and what we can do about it. Because here's the deal. It's really hard to rest when we don't have a sound mind. 
the good news is, uh, the bad news is storms are always going to come. The good news is we follow a Jewish rabbi who took naps in the middle of those storms. So we just believe that we can learn how to do the same thing and train ourselves to do the same thing. And there's gonna be a lot of work involved. We're gonna put in the work on, on Wednesday nights, but there's also gonna be a lot of rest involved. We'd love to, to have you out. But let's learn how to divert daily. Next, withdrawal weekly. This goes back to Genesis 2-2. God creates everything in six days and then he rests. Takes a break. We call this the Sabbath. Uh, six days of work, one day of rest. It's the rhythm that, that is what, like it or not, <laughs> that we've all been given. We've inherited it. On Thursday night, just a couple of nights ago, I, uh, I hit a wall. Man, I was staring at my computer trying to create some stuff, trying to type some stuff and nothing was coming. And uh, I, have, I always have a lot of creative stuff going on and I try to get the deadlines, keep the deadlines separated, but every once in a while, there's like the perfect storm. Some of you know that, that feeling. I had one of those weeks this week. And so it was like, I was, I was trying to get this done, trying to get that done, trying to get that done. And by Thursday night, I had nothing left. And uh, in those moments, what usually happens for me, because I get stuck on that end of the pendulum, is, is I go, well, I'm worthless. Well, my best days are behind me. God, you chose the wrong guy. I'm done. I'm gonna go do something else with my life. You know how it spirals so quick, right? And so that spiral starts to happen and I, I pause and I go, okay, what's going on? And I think back to years ago, somebody told me about an article they read um, about a zookeeper who uh, said that, that the animals who are like that perform, they do tricks and you give them treats, Right? they realize that if they keep them performing longer than six days at a time, they start acting up. And so they have to give them a rest on the seventh day. Why? Because you don't even need a prefrontal cortex to realize that there is a rhythm to life, that we're created for six days on, one day off, six days on, one day off. And I realized I had been sprinting straight ahead for six days. And so it's time for me to rest. It's time for me to put it down. I closed my computer, grabbed a good book, left my phone at home, went to the pool. And after a little bit of time, started to feel my rhythm coming back, right? Sabbathing, learning how to put things down for, for one day a week is so important. Now, let me address the elephant in the room. I love talking about the Sabbath. It is incredibly easy for me to Sabbath, here's why. I'm a single pastor, so I don't have a spouse and I don't have young kids. And I'm a pastor, which means that like, I'm supposed to take a day off. Like I get applauded when I take an entire day off. People are like, good job, Ryan, you're doing great at your, at your job, you know? It's phenomenal, I love it, it's great. Super easy for me to do it. You may not be in that life stage though. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was a, a pastor in Southern California and I got really passionate uh, uh, about the Sabbath and, and um, I would take Mondays off. I had another buddy who was a, also a single pastor at, at the time, his name was Sam, and, and, and we called him Monday Fun Day and we would just go surf all day and then read on the beach and then fall asleep and wake up and surf and read and fall asleep and we would just repeat that all day long. And one week on Tuesday, I was leading our staff devotion and I go, guys, we gotta learn how to Sabbath. You gotta be more like me. 
We gotta work hard, but we also gotta Sabbath hard. Let me tell you what I did yesterday. And everyone's like being polite and nodding. And then we go in the back room for like the, the pastor's meeting and they just roast me for 10 straight minutes. Like, oh yeah, Ryan, my one-year-old intentionally slept in yesterday. You know, my two-year-old told me he's ready to be a human being instead of a human doing again, you know? They're like using my own words against me. It was phenomenal, and I deserved every bit of it because I was failing to, to see this from anybody else's perspective except my own, and so I just want to address that it's much easier for me to do this because of my, my life stage, which is great. The same breath, I wanna say, it's also a command. Not a command to get legalistic about. Jesus had a whole lot to say about that, but Sabbath rest is so important. Now, if you have young kids, you, you might need to get creative with this. This might just be you and your spouse going, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Every Saturday morning, we're gonna, we're gonna leave our computers at home. We're gonna leave our, our phones off. We're gonna tell our kids, hey, we're not working today. We're just gonna trust that God's got everything in control. We're gonna walk to the park and get some good quality time in where we're relaxing and resting and, and being grateful for what we have instead of worrying about what we don't have. Then we're gonna go to church on Saturday night because they keep telling us to go to church on Saturday night to make room for people on Sunday morning. We're actually gonna listen to them this time around. I'm kidding. I love you all so much. I'm not kidding. <laughs> but I do love you. My point is find a way to be creative about your rest. Whatever that means for you, find a way to withdraw weekly. I'll tell you what happens. There's like the very surface level part of Sabbath rest where you get good quality time in with family and you learn to, to catch your breath. There's a deeper level to it though too. There's a, a journalist named Judith Shulevitz that has helped me tremendously with this deeper level. Uh, she wrote uh, an article for the New York Times back in 2003 called Bring Back the Sabbath. And, and Judith grew up Jewish. And then when she left home, she realized she was, she was done uh, with the tradition for a while. And so she kind of went off and did her own thing. But a few years later, she realized that every Friday night, she would start to feel like something was off. And then Saturday morning, she'd wake up and just wouldn't feel like herself. She'd go out to brunch with her, her friends, but she wouldn't be present. And by Saturday afternoon, to use her word, she felt un unresponsive. So that, that took her on a journey of trying to figure out what was going on. And she eventually realized that the thing she was missing was that Sabbath. She talks about how amazing the Sabbath is for so many practical reasons. And then she has this line about the Sabbath. She says, the machinery of self-censorship shut down too, stilling the eternal inner murmur of self Reproach. My goodness, what a sentence. We gotta hang out on that sentence for a sec. The machinery of self-censorship shut down. Anybody have that inner critic? Uh, the inner critic that's always talking to them? Here's mine. Oh, way to go, Ryan. You thought that was funny, nobody laughed. They hated your joke. Why'd you say it, Ryan? Oh, now, Ryan, you gotta laugh for that one. Well, guess what? It was mean and somebody got offended. Way to go, funny guy. Ryan, stop talking so much. They're gonna think that you're a narcissist. What are you doing? Let somebody else speak. Well, Ryan, now you're not saying anything at all. They're gonna think you're uninterested. Say something. 
And it's like, why is this inner voice so mean? <laughs> you know? Judith calls it the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. And she goes, my experience was when I started bringing back the Sabbath, uh, I started to realize that we can shut down that machinery as well. We can silence that voice and we can learn to go, no, we're not doing that today. Not on the Sabbath, come back tomorrow, inner critic. Better yet, don't come back at all. But, but at some point when you learn to rest, you learn how to quiet that inner voice and it shuts it down. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 11, verse 28, just come to me. Hey, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that sound nice? Like the the boredom, exhaustion, pendulum. You know what we're really looking for? Soul level rest. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in, in the message. He says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the, here it is, unforced rhythms of grace. Work, rest, rest, and work. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Gotta learn how to put work down every once in a while. Gotta learn how, how to realize that God's in control of all of this. And he was fine before we showed up and he's gonna be fine long after we're gone. He's fine. There's freedom found in letting go of that control. Withdraw weekly. The last one is abandon annually. And I know everybody's in different life stages and different circumstances. I get all of that. But if you can find a way for it to take one week out of your year to completely shut everything down, my goodness, it's so good for you. Like, like, turn off your emails, man. Turn on that email responder and, and let the email responder do its job. Shut off your phone if you can. Make, put some distance between you and everything else going on in your life. It's so good for you. Last, last month, I, I got to go to Hawaii because one of my best friends lives out there and they've got a spare bedroom and I had credit card points. And so it all worked really well together. And uh, I, I tried to get out there um, Every, every summer for a week. They call it Ryan Week. It's my favorite thing in the world. We just surf every day and eat great food and have good conversations. This summer, we went on a 22-mile backpacking trip that just about took me out, but I think that kind of stuff's fun for some reason. It's restful because I don't have any cell service. And um, Then the next day, we're, we're in the pool and the sun's going down, and Matt starts asking me questions, checking in, how's life going and as we're talking I start to realize oh man like God has been so faithful in my life over the last 12 months even when it didn't feel like it even when I couldn't see it like that thing that happened back in February I couldn't see it back then but 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 God was was t pivoting and taking me this way on purpose and, and that thing that happened in April, oh, God was faithful then. And, and that challenging moment in May, that God was there for that. 
And it's like the reality of all the ways that God had been present in my life over the last year started to rise to the surface. Judith ends her, her article with an amazing line. We need to remember to stop because we have to stop to remember. Remember to stop because we have to stop to remember. Sometimes we have to go to great lengths to shut everything down so that we can remember how faithful God has been to us. Find a way to divert every day and to withdraw every week and to abandon annually if you can. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. And so those are some thoughts on work and rest and the rhythm that we're created for and the, the, the pendulum uh, of work and rest. I thought long and hard about how to end this, this entire series and I kept coming back to, to the topic of prayer um, because prayer is both work and rest. And, and, and all throughout scripture, it's like there's these invitations to call out in prayer, to intercede. In fact, put 1 Timothy 2, 2, 1 up there. Paul says, I urge, listen to the word, urge then first of all that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Paul's going labor in prayer, work hard to pray. But then you read other verses in the Bible like Exodus 14, 14, and it says things like, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And you go, well, which one is it? Am I supposed to labor in prayer or be still and trust? And all throughout the Bible is this answer, yes. Yeah, it's both. It's both work and rest, rest and work. The calling out to God is the work and the being still is the rest and you're called into both. And so to the parent in the room, who has been crying out in intercession for their son or daughter who is a long way from God, the parent who is worried, who is stressed, who stays up late thinking about if their, if their kid is okay. What I wanna say is keep going. God sees your prayers and your prayers change things. And so well done and so work and labor with God in prayer. And at the exact same time, Rest, God's got this, it's okay. He, he, he's going, trust me, I'm a good God. It's work and it's rest, it's rest and it's work. To, to the one who has a dream in their heart that they're so passionate about, they wake up early every morning trying to, to pursue, praying that God would give them the strength and the, the create, creative ideas and the ability to, to pursue it. Man, we're with you in that, keep going. We're praying for you. We're, we're, we're on your team. Keep moving forward. And also, at the exact same time, rest and, and trust and put it down every once in a while. Maybe just during this last worship song that we sang in this last worship set, you just put it down for a few minutes. You go, God, I'm just gonna trust you. I'm just gonna trust that you got this. If it's a mental health battle, we, uh, ladies at God Behind Bars, we, uh, we spent the morning, um, all the volunteers praying for you all. Thank you so much for filling out those prayer requests cards. We love getting to, to partner with you in prayer. Um, the one that I got, I won't say the name, but was crying out for help with mental health. And um, hey, I just 
feel like it, it, it's my job to, to remind you to rest and to surrender and to know Exodus 14, 14, God will fight for you. You need only to be still. And at the exact same time, don't you stop fighting. Don't you stop working. Don't you stop praying. Would you know that you have a whole family that is, that is praying for you and coming alongside you and going to war with you, going your best days are, are still ahead of you. We rest and we, we, we surrender and then we get to work and we go. Whatever it is for you, relationship that, that, that you desire but it hasn't come. Man, put in the work, absolutely it takes work. And also rest and trust and surrender. I know it doesn't make sense. Our logical brains go, which one is it? It's the beauty of the pendulum is that at some level God is saying, hey, you're not going to be able to understand me fully. Put the work in and try and then take a breath and realize that you're never gonna get there. The pendulum ultimately calls us to worship. So you guys stand to, to your feet if, if, if you want. You can remain seated if, if, if you want as well. Space is yours. Um, uh, I just get, get the sense that, that there are some people in this place who need a, a, an invitation to get back up and keep fighting who need an invitation to, to a reminder that it was never your work that made you worthy in the first place, that worth came from what Jesus did for you on the cross, that you are a son, that you are a daughter, that he loves you, he has a plan for your life, you are God's handiwork. And if that's you, I want you during this next song to, 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 to cry out to God and, and, and get, to, get to work asking God to do something profound in your life, to, to stir up the stagnant water in, in your soul and get you back in the game. But then I feel like there's a whole bunch of people in this place watching online out in overflow at, at GBB who, who have been working and working and working and working and toiling and toiling and toiling and toiling. And I just wanna say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now it's time to rest. It's time to, to release. It's, it's time to surrender. It's time to trust. It's the hard part. Work is easier because we can control it at some level. Rest is difficult because you can't. But it's holy and it's sacred to go, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm gonna worship you all the way through. And so Father God, meet every single person listening to this right where they're at. For the person watching online, for the person at God Behind Bars, for the person in Overflow, for the person in this room, would you speak to them right now? You know what each of them need. If it is a, a permission to rest, then my goodness, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would give that to them, that your peace, a peace that transcends all understanding would surround them. Remind them that it was never their work that gave them their worth. As we sing to you today, Lord, and for the person who's having a hard time getting back up and getting back in the game, I pray that this would be a moment as we cry out for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does best, for a fresh wind and a fresh fire, that they would experience that in the depths of their soul, that they would experience that, that identity and that, that they are God's workmanship created on purpose for a purpose. 
with plans they wouldn't even believe if you told them. Lord, would you inspire them and infuse that purpose back in their life, I pray, as we all, as one body and one church, lift our eyes to you, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, give you all the praise, in Jesus' name.